Thanks, Caroline. I have the Bible. Great job, Caroline. Good for Caroline. That was a beautiful reading, Caroline. Thank you. Um, hey, y'all. My name is Chris, um, campus minister here with RUF at Wake Forest. Really glad that you're here. Um, special welcome to you if this is your first time or one of your first times here. Really glad that you're here. Um, also want to give a special welcome to my good friend, JT Warren, who's in the back. And JT was a student at Appalachian in our RUF at App State and is now working here. The last time JT went to an RUF meeting, it was on Zoom. And so I think this is very healing of JT's Zoom trauma. We've all been there. Um, so really glad that you're here tonight, JT. Give it up for JT, my man. Um, thanks for reading, Caroline. Uh, I want to take a moment just to... Um, Allow us to settle and uh, ask God to, to meet with us again. Uh, Lord, thank you so much um, for the words that we've just heard. And um, the rest of us are probably like me that caught some of that, um, understood some of it. Some of it went right past us or we had a distracting thought. And some of us have heard these stories about Jesus like um, tons of times. And to some of us, these are really strange stories that um, are new to us. And yet, Lord, you say that the very thing that Caroline just read um, is able to, to give life to us. It's able to unconfuse our minds and our hearts about you and about ourselves. And Lord, each of us wants that, um, no matter where we're coming from tonight. So Lord, I pray that you would meet with us and you would show us what it means to have faith. We pray Jesus in your name. Amen. Um, okay. So I, I don't know why y'all are here. Um, I, I would preach at a church on Sunday and I was like, st- every time I'm like, I show up to stuff like this and I'm like, why, why are we here? Why do we come to these things? We could be at a lot of different places. I, there is nothing that is, this is a beautiful meeting and gathering of people. There is nothing that is so particularly remarkable about it that you would say, I just have to come back to this thing uh, again. Um, and it would be, I think, correct to say that this gathering on a Tuesday night in this room is like a faith gathering, um, that we do things in this space that like people of faith do. We sing songs about God, we pray. Um, we do this part. Um, and so some of us feel like we're on the inside of like a community of faith. We would say, I am a person of faith. And so I do acts of faith. Uh, and then there's probably a lot of people that um, feel like, well, that's not, that doesn't really de- define who I am. I'm not a person of faith. I don't belong to a community of faith. So I don't do these acts of faith. Um, and part of what I love about this passage is that Jesus interacts with this father and both Jesus and the father in this story show us what it actually means to have faith. Like if I, if I asked you like, what, what does it mean to, to have faith in God? Um, we'd probably have like a, a ton of different answers. And part of what I love about what this man says is he comes to Jesus. He has a son who's suffering who has a demon, and the demon manifests these uh, epileptic symptoms. He has convulsions, he foams at the mouth, 
Um, he's, he's very unwell, and there's nothing he can do to help his son. And so he goes to Jesus, and he says, if you can, heal my son. I think that he understood that Jesus was like a nice person who would probably be willing to help him. But it seems unlikely, like if you came to me and said, I have a demon, could you cast it out? I think there would probably be a low level of confidence that I would be able to do that or that someone on campus would be able to help you with that problem. And Jesus says, well, you said, if, you, if I can, like anything's possible for someone who has faith. And what the man says is pretty much the opposite of what you probably think faith is and what I generally think faith is. The man says, I believe, help my unbelief. What he's saying is I am both believing and unbelieving at the same time. And that um, is very different from the way that most of us approach faith. Um, Most of us approach faith as maybe um, an intellectual certainty where you're like, you know, I've studied the evidence and I believe with certainty that God is real, that Jesus rose from the dead, that the Bible is God's word, whatever. Um, and I just, I believe that that is true, that the statements of faith are true. And I have intellectual certainty. Um, some of us think that faith is having emotional certainty. So you come to a space like this or you go to church or something like that. And in the singing or in the person preaching or in the times of prayer or like maybe in your own times of prayer that you have this emotional resonance with God where you're like, you know, I just I'm feeling a certain way. And then I go in that space and it's like I connect emotionally with God and the people I'm with. And that's what it means for me to have faith is I have like an emotional certainty. Um, And probably a lot. I would tell you that most of the people that watch a space like this think that what faith is, is that people are morally consistent, or at least we think that we're morally consistent. So there are things that, because I'm a person of faith, I don't do, and there are things that, as a person of faith, that I do. So that it's either intellectual certainty or emotional certainty or moral consistency. And what that means, then, is if you don't have intellectual certainty, you don't believe. Or if you don't resonate emotionally, then you don't believe. Or if you're not morally consistent, then you don't believe. And it puts us in an insecure space if we hold that, because then we go to class and we hear something from a professor or we read something and it causes us to think differently about God. And suddenly we're insecure, wondering where our faith has gone. Or we show up, I knew, I had a, a friend I'm very close with. He was uh, led music in his church for like 25 years and he had a medical procedure done where he was like, uh, had to go under anesthesia and he woke up from his surgery. He went to church the next Sunday and he was like, I always felt this connection with God. And then it was like, it went away. And I tried to stick with it for a couple months. And then I was like, I guess I just don't believe anymore. And so he was like, I guess that's it. Because he stopped resonating emotionally. He thought his faith was gone. Or, if you, of course, if you screw up, do something that you said you wouldn't do, again, you become insecure about your faith. And I think that the good news that Jesus has for us in this tonight um, is that faith is not about what you know. It's not about what you feel. It's not about what you do. 
it actually isn't even about you all that much. Uh, and that's really good news. What, what I want, I think that Jesus and this father show us is that faith is, is receiving and that faith is resting. I'm looking at a room, like I, I still don't know you that well, but what I do know about each of you is that you're incredibly gifted and capable people. Like the things that I hear that, like, um, that you guys do in a day, I'm like, I can barely do my one job and stay sane, and you guys do often so many things, you're very capable. Um, but Jesus is going to offer, I think, us something where our ability to do something for him um, is irrelevant, and he frees us from that. Um, faith is receiving, and it's resting. Here's what I mean by faith is receiving. By definition, faith is not about you. It's about what you are putting your faith in. Faith is associating yourself with an object that is outside of you. Um, It is a receiving of something that Jesus did. Um, There's a famous theologian named Karl Barth. And one time he was asked... um, uh, uh, Dr. Bart, when were you saved? And he said, I was saved in 33 AD. The, the year of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Faith is receiving something that Jesus already did. It's the mechanism by which we receive Jesus. So think about it like this. I'm going to give you three examples that are probably very silly, but that's okay. Um, where's the best place on campus to get a smoothie? Lillian. Village Juice, strong smoothie game at Village Juice. Now, when they give you a straw for the smoothie at Village Juice, is it a big straw, regular straw, or a little straw? It's like a regular straw, okay. It's a regular drink straw. So when you draw upon the delicious Village Juice smoothie, you get a regular amount of smoothie. Now, you go to some smoothie places and they give you that big straw, like the bubble tea straw that gets all the bubbles, and I don't wanna know what's in the bubbles. You know, they're delicious, but I don't want to know. Don't even tell me. Um, Just like I eat hot dogs, I don't want to know what's on them because they're just good. If you had one of those big bubble tea straws and you went to Village Juice, you would, when you drew on that smoothie, you would get so much smoothie, it would be overwhelming to you. You may have a coffee stirrer straw. And when you draw upon the smoothie, you get but the slightest amount of smoothie through your straw. But the straw, my friends is not the smoothie. The thing that brings sweetness into your mouth, the thing that brings nutrition to your body is merely delivered by the straw. It's just how you access the smoothie. Now, you can think about it like this. Uh, if you've ever got, received a blood transfusion and they hook you up through an IV, the IV delivers the blood to you for your health, but it is not the blood. Um, you all have computers, I assume, or else you wouldn't be here right now. Um, when you plug that computer into the wall and your computer is charged, the charger is not the thing that charges your computer. The charger is the thing that allows the electricity to enter your computer. Why am I saying that? Some of us have a faith that feels like a coffee stirrer straw. Some people you look at and you're like, they have a straw that is so big that when they draw on Jesus, they just get a ton. 
but the, the, the object of the faith is Jesus. We looked a couple weeks ago at a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, and she believed that simply by touching Jesus' clothes that she would be healed. That is a smoothie straw kind of believing. But most of us don't have that. And we spend a lot of time focusing on how much we're able to get instead of, um, instead of Jesus. Some of us are really miserable because we are really focused on our ability to believe. And what that means is that we're focused on ourself. But Jesus has come to free you from yourself. Is my faith good enough? Do I know enough? Do I feel enough? We plug the charger into our computer and then we never plug it into the wall. And this is what I mean. Uh, being a pastor is really weird because you like inevitably you ask people questions that like there's no like good way to ask it. You're like, how's it going with your soul? You know, um, like how, how are you and, and Jesus doing? And um, I feel awkward every single time asking that question. And if you have a, a better and less awkward way to ask that, please let me know. Because in 10 years, I haven't figured it out. But almost every single time that I've ever asked somebody in my life, how's it going with Jesus? They will give me some variation of, um, and then they say things that they don't like about themselves are ways that they feel like they haven't measured up, some way that they feel that they are failing, something that they expect to do that they don't do, some doubt that they have. Um, We often become so focused on our ability to believe that we lose focus on the one who offers us freedom and healing. This man comes to Jesus and he says, I do believe And if you tell me that it's not enough faith, that's fine. Help my unbelief. Um, We haven't plunged the straw into the shake. Sometimes we aren't healing because we're not connected to the blood. Faith is receiving what Jesus has done. And faith is also resting. Um, Jesus takes the opportunity as this man is speaking with him to talk to him about faith and to address his faith. But notice... This man's faith had absolutely no effect on Jesus's ability to heal his son or his willingness to heal his son. I preached this same text on Sunday morning at my church. I spent all morning really wrestling because I'm like, I'm going to tell a story about how Jesus healed this person And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen something like that happen. And every day that goes by between the life of Jesus and today, it feels less and less likely that something like that is going to happen. That actually God is going to show up and do something. Um, There's this uh, song by Sufjan Stevens, and uh, he's talking about a friend of his that has cancer and, and, and dies. And uh, it's interesting because it says Tuesday night, and it's Tuesday night. We, we, you guys come to RUF on Tuesday night. But he says in the song, Tuesday night at the Bible study, we lift our hands and pray over your body, but nothing ever happens. Um, this stuff is hard to believe. 
So what is it that Jesus actually invites us to rest in? Um, when it seems unlikely to us that he is actually going to do a healing work in the world or in our lives. Um, the first thing that Jesus calls us to rest in is just two things. Is to rest in his ability to heal. You are all um, exercising a profound amount of faith right now. And here's what I mean. You are sitting on the floor. You're sitting. If I asked you, by definition, what are you doing with your body right now? You would all say either sitting or nothing. And you would be right. You haven't thought about the ability of this floor to hold you one time since ever come. You could be a senior. You've walked through the green room a bajillion times. You've sat on this floor a tons of times. And you never thought, I wonder if the floor is able to hold me. Or this will be the night that it goes crashing down into the pit. <laughs> is it the pit of hell or is it the pit? The pit. Who knows? Now, you may be sitting there, and all of a sudden, you are feeling quite insecure about the floor's ability to hold you. You may feel totally confident. But whether you feel confident in the floor's ability to hold you or not, the fact is that the floor can hold you. And you are simply resting your weight upon something else's ability. Y'all, Jesus is able to raise the dead. Like, Jesus makes promises that are really stupid sounding. Like, even if something dies, yet it shall live again. The closer you are to death, the harder that is to believe. All the Father in this story did was ask, and Jesus did it all. Because he was able to do it. Um, when I was at the Appalachian State University with JT, I had a friend that worked on the, uh, for the athletic department. He was the chaplain of the football team. And this one time they played Miami, which I know you guys play in the ACC, so you play Miami regularly. At App, it was a big deal. They had a home and home, and Miami came to Boone. It was a huge deal. And I really wanted to go, but I wasn't trying to pay App State uh, Miami ticket price. So I said to my friend, hey, what can you do for me? He said, just meet me at the gate. And I met him at the gate, and he had a lanyard around, a field pass, all access. And he was like, they, everybody knows who I am. He took the lanyard off. And he put it on my, over my head. And he said, have fun. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And uh, which was good advice. I had that pass. I could go up to the sixth floor of the stadium where all the free food is. I could go into the coaches' boxes. I could go into the press box. I could have gone down on the field if I wanted to get myself and someone else in trouble, probably. But every time I walked into a place, I was always met with a skeptical look, which I would respond by doing this. And they would say, excuse me. <laughs> and they would let me pass. I was like, read, read the name tag, Reggie. That's me. Um, I was able to have access to that place, and I was accepted into that place. I had n nothing to do with that. Simply by resting on someone else's ability to enter the space. Jesus is able to do things that we are unable to do. He, is, he can speak a command to evil which must be obeyed. He told a little dead girl to wake up from death, and she did. 
He told the man next to him on the cross, you will be with me in paradise. And he was. He spoke to weather and it obeyed. He's able. But he's also willing because it doesn't really matter for this man if Jesus is able to heal a son, but he's not willing to do it. He's willing. My kids ask me to spell words all the time, um, which is great because I'm ama- there's one thing I'm good at, it's spelling words. Um, and that's it. And uh, they come to me and they ask me how to spell words. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll say, how do you spell napalm? And I'm like, why are we spelling napalm? Um, uh, just a shopping list, you know. Um, and, uh, and they ask me to spell words for them, not just because they think that I'm able to spell, but because they believe that I want them to spell the word correctly. That I intend to bless them and not to curse them. That I'm not just able to spell, but I'm willing to lead them in the right way. And another word for that is trust. They trust me because I've shown that I'm able and I'm willing to help them. And they've come to me again and again so their faith has deepened. Um, On Sunday night, um, my wife and I, I I made a couple of... comments about money that were very unkind and really hurtful to her. And um, then she had a prayer group in the morning and she shared it with them and it was really intense because she's never shared that with them. And then she just started seeing a therapist and she's told to talk to her therapist about it and cried the whole time, just processing. When you, when, if you ever get married, you're, you think that you're going to fight about a lot of stuff. You're only ever going to fight about your family and money. Um, that's free. You can write that down. Um, and, um, so we were working through like my apology and working through that, that pain that day, someone that I only know slightly well, like I know them, but we've never had a conversation longer than 10 seconds asked if we could get together. This was yesterday. And I was like, yeah. And we sat down and, um, they said, we know you've been driving like a loner vehicle for a while. And just like, you know, you guys need like a car. And I'm like, yeah. Um, and he said, here's a, here's a card. Um, and I want you guys to be able to get something. So I took, the, I took the card home. I didn't open it. I was like, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be like five grand. It's going to be crazy. And we're going to get a car. And... I got home and I gave it to Sarah Jane and I said, there's money in this and I do not want to be involved with what happens with this money. Just whatever you think we should do. And she, and she opened the card and it was a check for $30,000. Okay. Which is a lot of money. I'm as shook as you are right now. Um, Whether I think that, like, whatever I thought about this person before that moment, whatever I thought about how much money they have, whatever I thought about how generous they may be, whatever I thought about how they see me, see my family, think about us at all, the only thing that matters is that they were able to write a $30,000 check and they were willing to do it and they gave it to us as a gift. And I... um, The beautiful offer of Jesus to you tonight, friends who are so capable 
and have so much to offer is that your life with him has nothing to do with your ability to do anything for him or believe well enough or believe the right things or to feel it enough or to be morally consistent enough. He simply just invites you in and gives you a gift. And what he does with that gift is he enables you. Like what the person told me when they gave me that gift, they said transportation is enabling. We don't live in a place where you can just take public transportation. Like you need to be able to get around in order for your family to have a life. And they gave me a gift and I received it. You can trust Jesus. You can trust that he is able to work because he rose from the dead. And you can trust that he is willing to work because he went to the cross in the first place. And he hasn't broken a promise yet. Um, so here's what I want to do. This is going to be a little bit weird. Um, is um, when I think about faith and the invitation to faith and what it means to believe, what it means to receive and rest on Jesus and what it means to grow, for that to be grown, I think about a song by Peter Gabriel, which is a great song. Um, there are certain songs where you're like, I don't know if this song is about a boyfriend, girlfriend, or it's about God. And sometimes those are the best songs. I will tell you that most of the greatest songs that you will ever listen to that will deepen your life with God are songs that someone actually wrote about a, a boy or a girl. And people have told you to feel shame about that. and Do not. This is the ultimate girl or God song. It's called In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. And... Um, I just want to read some of it to you. Um, this is more God than most Christian music I've ever heard. So, and I think it's a picture of faith growing. So as I read this, you can uh, receive it however. You can close your eyes, listen, whatever. I'm not going to sing it. Um, sorry. Um, but I will, yeah, encourage you to uh, listen to it later. He says, love, I get so lost sometimes. Days pass and this emptiness fills my heart. When I want to run away, I drive off in my car. But whichever way I go, I come back to the place you are. All my instincts, they return. And the grand facade so soon will burn. Without a noise, without my pride, This is the part that this, mm, I reach out from the inside. In your eyes, the light, the heat. In your eyes, I am complete. In your eyes, I see the doorway to a thousand churches. In your eyes, the resolution of all the fruitless searches. Oh, I see the light and the heat. I want to be that complete. Uh, Lord, um, I pray that you would help each of us to reach out to you from the inside. Um, Lord, in a room full of just so much competence and gifting, Lord, there is a deep longing to rest. And Lord, thank you that you just invite us to receive you and what you did thousands of years ago and to rest in it. 
And um, Lord, I pray that you would unpollute the eye of our heart, that we could see you. And Lord, that you would help our unbelief. Uh, Help us to turn to you. Um, Yeah, to see ourselves in, in your eyes. And we pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's sing one more song.